everybody, we are back with another episode of Can't Stop Snapping, the official podcast of MarvelSnapZone.com. And it is patch day. It is that uh, special time of month that we all anticipate and look forward to. Uh, and we've got a lot to talk about. So I want to jump right in. And as always, you know it, I am joined today by Loot Muncher. Loot, glad to have you on the, on the podcast once again. Hey, how's it going? I don't remember what number this is, but it's it's definitely strange being able to see you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I was gonna. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, "Wow, Lou has been on the podcast the most times," but you know, we just started doing video the last couple <laughs> weeks, and so like, um, yeah, we're both we both can see each other and uh, laugh along as we as we dive here into the patch notes. So, uh, before we dive into the patch notes, I do want to quickly. Uh, not that they're not as important, but I want to break down latest card and latest location. And then from there, we'll jump directly into the patch notes. Um, and so I will just uh, bring it up here. The new card this week is Megasonic Teenage Warhead, which is an interest card. We've known about this card for a little bit because of data mine, you know, and an announcement of it coming out. So uh, Megasonic Teenage Warhead is a three cost, four power card that reads after any card is played here. Destroy this card and that card. So this is not an on-reveal ability or ongoing. It's kind of one of those uh, when this condition is met, something will happen type abilities. You can't shut off uh, with Cosmo or with Enchantress, right? Um, and the way I read it is like Megasonic Teenage Warhead has to have flipped, kind of kind of like an on-reveal ability. She ha- they, they have to have flipped over, and then uh, after any card you or your opponent plays at that location that card is then destroyed as long along with megasonic teenage warhead is that am i getting that all right luke uh yes uh so i was lucky enough to actually pull this card today it was my first series five card man um nice so i've actually got to play around with it a little bit but yeah that's exactly what it does yeah so i've seen a couple people trying out a couple different things i'm assuming you've tried it out at least a little bit today what what have you tried out first with this card so the very first thing i thought about with it is uh somehow making figuring out where they're going to play stuff like mm. the best. So uh, the first thing I kind of tried was like a control deck with like lane control with like storm because you can mm. storm. And then if you storm, it's an empty lane. You can play her if you have priority and then destroy if they're only trying to play one card Yeah, into the storm lane. So that's very good um, or storm. And then like I also have professor X in the deck. So if I can, if I professor X, then I have two lanes to worry about. Uh, that I could play the um, player in and destroy, you know, their turn six drop potentially. I've been playing it a lot with Daredevil, which also yep. seems very good. Uh, being able to see where they're playing cards with five. Uh, I haven't got the dream yet. I've had the dream in the deck, but I haven't pulled the dream off yet. My dream is to have um, Moon Girl into uh, Sarah into two of them and try to just bing everything. Um but uh, yeah, it's it's been a fun card. I think I think it's very good. Uh, one thing that I didn't think about, um, but uh, that I've seen now, is that this is a way to get around Cosmos with uh, Shiri, like Red Skulls and stuff. Because you can play this into the Cosmos lane, and then if they flip that Red Skull over, they're playing into it that they thought were going to get protected. Ah. It still gets blown up. It's not as protected yep. as they think it would be. That's a really good call. I did not think of that interaction, but that now you say it, it's like so clear, right? Because mm-hmm. um, that doesn't, I guess that wouldn't be true in an armor lane, right? Because armor still protects from all 
all, all um, kind of destruction in that lane. But Cosmo, because this isn't an on reveal ability, would trigger still. Yeah, so still That's still safe in armor lane, but Cosmos not as safe. Yeah, so now those kinds of decks can't have that double protection, right? Where you have mm-hmm. like one protection with the armor, one protection with the Cosmo. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I hadn't thought of that, but that sounds like a great a great uh, tech card kind of situation where you can kind of uh, counter that. Um, something that I've seen people try, which doesn't seem as successful as what you've said. Uh, in the streams I've watched people today, I, I don't have the card yet myself. Um, kind of the deck build you described was what I saw most successful, kind of a control deck. Things like you said, Storm, Professor X, uh, and Daredevil kind of uh, anticipating what your opponent's going to do and, and locking them out seems to be pretty powerful. I saw people trying to try it with Nimrod, and I don't think it's not powerful. Uh, but obviously you could you could place uh, Megasonic Teenage Warhead down, anticipating to play Nimrod into that lane eventually. Um, obviously that can be triggered by your opponent, though, if your opponent plays there first, right? Um I've seen people try to pull off like Megasonic, Teenage Warhead on three, Shuri on four, and then Nimrod on five. So you got a 10 power Nimrod played into this lane, but it's contingent on you having all the cards, your opponent not playing there. It's a little tricky to pull off, right? Um, yeah, I, I I haven't tested it yet, but I have a weird deck of, I think I when you were streaming the other day, I sent you the Cerebro 3 deck list. I've yep, been yep. messing around with a lot of Cerebro deck lists, but uh, I actually have this list that I want to try out that's a Cerebro 5. And uh, getting her, I actually want to try her in it because uh, I originally had Nimrod and Dr. Doom in the deck. But mm-hmm. now with her being able to, another easier way to activate my Nimrod, because before all I had was Armazola. Yep. Uh, but now having her will give another tool that I can use against my opponent. Like I said, just messing up their play, uh, but also something that I can do to play it and then play my Nimrod on top of it and spread it out. And then the whole idea is that, and then like doom or something to have a whole bunch of five drops with Cerebros. So. Yeah. And even there you could, well, I don't know if you had this in the deck already. Um, what's the three cost five, five power card that destroys the cards at your location. Um, uh, the Deathlock? Deathlock. I'm like, I was going to say Death Shot. I was like, that's not right. Death, yes. Uh, Deathlock, right? Like, because that's a five power card. So you could almost, you could pull off kind of that double destroy on Nimrod potentially. Yes. Um, like, because it's a three cost, you could even throw Cerebro and Deathlock down, you know, at the last turn if you don't have a Mystique in your hand, for example, right? To like pull mm-hmm, off mm-hmm. double. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I've seen people like, I've seen like stream titles that say Cerebro fri- 5 or like YouTube <laughs> titles that say Cerebro 5. I haven't like actually watched them enough to know if it's a, a viable strategy, but it sounds fun, right? C- Cerebro, anything about three is always fun <laughs> to experiment with, right? Uh, and see what's going on. Um, yeah, so I think this is an interesting card. I think we, you know, we've already demonstrated kind of in our conversation, there's some versatility as both a enabler card for yourself, but also more of an offensive card against your opponent, which I think is interesting, right? I like cards that kind of give you that versatility that can open up different options for how you play. Um, how do you think it stacks up against uh, maybe some of the other recent cards you've got? Do you, do you feel like this is a more exciting one that more people are going to try to go out and buy? I think it's going to be interesting. Um, I think uh, you, you're going to have to kind of see. I'm not sure if it's worth 6,000 tokens. Like I said, I was lucky enough to pull it. Um, I hadn't decided yet if I was going to buy it, if it did pop in my shop, but it hadn't popped yet. Uh, so I hadn't weren't worried about that, but uh, I'm not quite sure if it'd be worth the 6,000 tokens, Yeah. but it is interesting. And uh, something else from playing around with it a little bit already is um, 
seeing, uh, I mean, there are locations to think about too. Uh, the, uh, probably the biggest one is Avengers Compound. Mm. Like they have to play onto it on five. So if you have priority, you know that you are going to be able to destroy whatever they decide to play there or the first thing. So Yeah. I think there was also a data mine location today that's like you can only play in this location on turn five. So on like turn five, yeah. Things like that where you can anticipate if those are ever featured locations or new locations, stuff like that. This is going to be a great card that you're going to probably see play more heavily in those types of situations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I also see this. I, I don't know. I, I we'll have to see, but I envision this being a good card that people are going to want to put in like uh, tournament decks, right? Or like competitive mode. It just seems like something that can be kind of that wild card or that extra secret sauce to maybe win you a game or two, right? Uh, played in kind of the right the right scenario. So um, you know, time will tell as more people unlock it, but I, I definitely think this is a middle to high ground, you know, of some of the series five cards we've got lately. So um, from here, let's let's dive into the uh, featured location conversation, um, which is Asteroid M. Um, and this is, at time of recording, this is going to go live, I want to say, in about half an hour. Uh, so we haven't had a chance, like we have in sometimes past, to actually try this location out. But Asteroid M is, after you play a three or four cost card, move it here. This is very interesting to me. Um, one, because, you know, sadly, we don't see a ton of move decks, right? At kind of the highest mm-hmm. level of play in Marvel Snap. Uh, but I think they're fun and they're interesting, right? Like, I want to see them played more. So I think we're going to see that over the next 24 hours. Um, but yeah, I'll turn it over to you. What what comes to your mind here immediately? I mean, obviously, move deck, that's the obvious. But what specific cards are you going to try to pull into here that are three or four costs? Yeah, I, I think move is, is a very obvious choice. I mean, I think it will be a very good choice. I will definitely be playing move tomorrow to uh, test it out, being able to get those free a vulture or multiple man mm-hmm. moves into it. Uh, something to realize, I mean, it does go for move, but it could also go for other stuff too, if it, if it mattered. Uh, but like in a move deck, you could do like a Craven on two. Mm-hmm. And then if you play, um, I'm assuming it would work, but a Hulkbuster onto the Craven should still move the Craven into the asteroid. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because it works well. So, cause I know, I like to test the weird things. I know that if you Hulk Buster something with an on reveal and then play Absorbing Man next turn, you get that on reveal effect. It yeah, doesn't care it about the, it. yeah, it doesn't care about the Hulk Buster in between. Um, mm-hmm. So, but uh, yeah, so I think it'll be very interesting. Uh, something that I uh, was pointed out to me earlier uh, was also that this is kind of like an Avengers compound, like we were talking about earlier. Like it's not necessarily you have to play everything in five, but all your three and four drops are going to end up here probably yeah. uh depending on what you have what can move around and stuff so i think that's going to be an interesting thing um another strategy you know depending on what seeing seeing play i think it could be interesting to play like a bounce bros deck with a bunch of one and two drops and stuff so you can stay out of this lane and your opponent if they are playing you know their series and stuff they are just going to move into this lane and clog up yeah no i think that is interesting um yeah, I think it's great to point out that it doesn't have to be move, right? I think that's that's definitely kind of the obvious where our brains go, but like there are other strategies you can kind of leverage of would it be great for this honor availability to happen here, but I actually want my card to go here for the, the stat line, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one that is a move card that I think is interesting, uh, like you, you, you know, I think the most obvious one is Vulture, right? Because Vulture's got to get that buff by moving over. But uh, Polaris is interesting to me because 
Uh, it's like you can pull a card from a lane to another lane, but then have Pol Polaris go here, right? So it's like you could uh, be like, oh, I don't want my card, my opponent's card here because I want them to lose the power there, but I want Polaris to end up there. So if they have like a one or two cost card in Asteroid M, you can kind of like pull it out and replace it. So switch out some power. Uh, so kind of a flip of power there. So I think that's interesting. Um, I, I don't know. I guess I haven't tested this out. So things like Jessica Jones and Rescue, where it's like specific location, right? It, well, you, ne you need to do something or not do something at a location. And I know they fixed things with this in the, in the past, right? Where maybe like something happened at a location it was supposed to carry over or vice versa. So I don't know like how that would work. If you play Rescue like at another location and she gets pulled over, do you need to play the card at Asteroid M or at the location she flipped up? So I'm not 100% sure on Rescue. I know that was a problem before. Um, I know that in this patch notes, they fixed Jessica Jones with it. Okay. They specifically say Jessica Jones in this these uh, the bug fixes. Um, so that but that is interesting because if I mean with it being fixed, you can play Jessica Jones somewhere to maybe like trigger an Angela or something, and then have it move over, and then you could play you know another three or four drop next turn into another lane other than Asterium and still have it move over with Jessica Jones, but then Jessica Jones still get the buff because mm -hmm. nothing was put. You didn't play anything into it was moved. It was moved, but it was your card played. was still moved there. So yeah, so you could do interesting stuff with that too. Yeah. So I think it's going to be interesting. Um, just on that note, I've seen more people playing Jessica Jones today, which makes me happy. I I've seen some cards being played today that haven't been played in a little while as much uh, and that's nature of the patch patch day today. And we'll get into that a little bit more, but yeah, I think there's a lot of interesting combos, right? When it's, when it's a certain cost card, like there's a lot of three cost cards, there's a lot of four cost cards. So there's really a lot of potential here, right? You can play around. Um, there's things that probably don't like, doesn't make that big of a difference. Like if you're playing a Patriot deck and you happen to have some three, four cost cards that you're playing down, like, I don't know if there's any that much of an advantage, right? Um, I mean, I guess... it, it could, it could matter for grouping on uh, like tech cards and stuff. Because yeah. if you play in, uh, uh, the Patriot and the Mystique, they're both going to get moved here. So I can uh, Enchantress both of them. You can't yeah, split them up in that's lanes. That's fair. That is very um, fair. Yeah, I think I think stuff like that could could play could play a part in it for sure. Yeah, I, I guess one strategy here is you're allowed to play cards here. So like you could try to plug it up so like your cards aren't forced over here, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's an option. Um, so that's interesting. Um, I feel like I just had one more that uh, was piquing my interest. Uh, Three, four cost cards. Um, well, oh, Miles, about, Miles okay, Morales. I, mm -hmm. Yeah, I was just thinking Miles is enabled by this, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I assume. Mm -hmm. So that might be something good to just throw into decks because there's going to be movement in, you know, probably 50% of your, your matches in the next 24 hours. So just having that one, one cost five power card, uh, not a bad thing to have in any deck probably for the next 24 hours. Yeah, definitely. Miles, I think, could be good in it. And then something we were talking about earlier, um, I think would be good too, is if you think about, I think it could, once we play with this deck a little bit more, I think we'll see a little bit more how disruptive it could be also. Because what I was thinking about when you were trying to think of Miles was uh, Cosmo, is mm. if they are trying to Cosmo specific lane because of like that location or something, it's just going to get moved over here. So, yeah. I wonder. Um... I guess this wouldn't work like that because it's like your full turn resolves and your opponent returns. I just like imagine this like 
Cosmo flips on your side and like blocks them from doing something, and then it like blocks them at a second location. But that's obviously not how that would work because because their turns their cards wouldn't flip over until after Cosmo had moved over. But um, yes, yeah, so there's no like double effect necessarily there. I, but. I don't know how good it would be, but I did just think about the interaction of Storm storm another lane and then it pulls storm out of the flooding lane i don't i don't know why you yeah. want to do that but yeah it's like yeah maybe if you like want the stat stick here right but maybe you have another plan there but if you already got like a sunspot or something down in that lane yeah because it it, it could be harder for the, it could mess with their plans of they're going to want to play something into the flooding area yeah but if they're trying to play a three or four drop it's going to get moved out of the yeah. flooding so well then i think i'm like okay I'm, go- I'm following this train of thought you're putting down and i'm like can you play storm storm gets pulled over and i'm like well then you could still juggernaut but then obviously juggernaut gets pulled over too so it's <laughs> so it's like yeah you have to have something there beforehand so it doesn't get pulled away so yeah that's interesting because yeah you can't do your like your storm jessica jones combo either like mm-hmm. they're both mm-hmm. gonna get pulled out of there so yeah, this will be an interesting one. I'm I'm interested to see what people come up with in the next 24 hours on this one. This one this one has me a little more excited than uh, some we've had lately. I think there's a lot of uh, playment, uh, you know, playing around that's going to happen and trying out different things. And especially with a, a fresh off of a patch, right? People are already kind of going back and trying other deck archetypes more. And so the combination of these two things is good. I think is going to create a fun week uh, in Marvel Snap. Um. Any final thoughts here before we we move on? Nope. I can't think of any other weird interactions currently. Okay. Awesome. Well, we are just going to play a quick uh, ad break from our sponsor, and then we will jump back in. Hey, all. I wanted to take a quick moment to talk to you about MarvelSnapZone.com. Marvel Snap Zone is a one-stop shop for everything Marvel Snap on the internet. They have new articles nearly every day that cover deck building, strategy, card breakdowns, etc. They have a great collection tracker tool and a decklist builder that works off of that collection tracker so that you can know what decks you can build with your current card collection. They have guides and decklists for all level players and all collection level players. Make sure to go to marvelsnapzone.com and check it out now. Okay, we are back. Um, oh, and we are gone. Let me bring this back <laughs> up. Uh, so we will talk patch notes. Uh, this We've got plenty of time. I, I wanted to make sure we had uh, lots of time to cover uh, all the patch notes today because there's a lot to unpack. Um, and we will start at the, at the beginning, uh, as, as we do. I'm just uh, scrolling up to make sure I, I have everything I want here. Um, so patch highlights. Uh, I'll just briefly go over these, and we'll obviously... Uh, what you see on the screen is one of the main things we're going to talk about first. So more tokens, they've made a change so that people who are not Series 3 complete will now earn more tokens. Uh, like those of us who are already Series 3 complete, we're collecting tokens, so they'll be collecting at the same rate, which I think is a great change. Uh, the shop has been updated, um, and that uh, they've split the token shop into two sections. One is for Series 3 cards. Uh, so for us that are Series 3 complete, as new cards come down to Series 3, this will be a part of our user experience as well. Um, but you can no longer buy Series 3 cards with tokens, which I think is an interesting change, and I'd love to hear your thoughts in a second on that. Uh, but you do get a free one per month, which is interesting. You can pin it. It rotates every hour, like we're no- every eight hours like we're used to, but you can get one free one per month. 
And then the other section of the token shop is kind of what we're used to, same user interface, but it's just series four, series five, and the ultimate variants that rotate through that. Um, and they say kind of these changes are to promote people, you know, getting more tokens and saving up for those four and five cost cards instead of buying three uh, series three cards. Um, so I have some thoughts on this, but I want to kind of turn it over to you first, Lute. Uh, what's your general impression of these changes to the token shop? And especially I want to hear your thoughts on not being able to buy series three cards for those users that aren't series three complete. So unfortunately I can't speak to that too much. Um, you know, I am an early beta player uh, sunk a lot of time and money into this game. So uh, by the time token shop came around, I was already series three complete. Um, I would love to hear more feedback. Uh, definitely uh, look me up on Twitter or something and let me know. Uh, Cause I, I like to know what other people's experience are with the game too. Uh, I think it's interesting. I do think uh, that it's interesting that they are kind of going more, Hey, save your tokens for these four and fives that are obviously going to be very powerful cards that you're probably going to want. Uh, save it for that, and we'll give you a free one every month for the Series 3. An interesting note, you know, I am Series 3 complete, but one of the cards that dropped down from 4 to 3, Orca, popped for me, and it's my only Series 3 card, so I was like, I guess I'll claim it for free, uh, which, I mean, I guess you would have I would have done before opening boxes. It would have uh, opened for me anyways, too, but uh, still very interesting. Uh, I, I Like I said, my first instinct is to like the change, because it gives them a sense to save the tokens instead of feeling like it. But it does feel like it also takes away that choice they had of seeing which ones they want. Oh, I don't want that one. I'll pass on that one. I'm, I really want death or I really want Hella. really want to try out those decks or whatever. Uh, you Taking that choice away uh, does kind of suck. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, you and me have both been, you know, series three complete for a little while now. Um, and just as those cards kind of drop, you know, we unlock them if we haven't unlocked them yet. But um, I think it's interesting because I don't think this would be as big of a deal. But the fact that they gave them the choice and then took it away, I think, is where mm -hmm. kind of that feeling comes from. Right. Because if they never had the choice to buy Series 3 cards with tokens, if this was the first iteration we'd received in Token Shop, I don't think anybody would necessarily be complaining. Um, or And I don't say complaining in a negative way. They're just, you know, would maybe not have like frustration with the change. Uh, mm -hmm. but kind of anytime you have freedom or choice taken away, obviously it kind of feels discouraging, right? Um, so I've seen a little bit of discourse on that online. Uh, maybe not everybody's feeling that way. Um, but yeah, I, I understand that they're wanting people to kind of get more tokens and target these series four and five cards and kind of get them sooner than later, right? Not waiting for them to drop all the way down. So they're iterating on this. They're trying to make it the best system for all players at all levels uh, with their collection levels. So uh, overall, I don't think it's uh, a bad change. Um, kind of like you said, uh, you know, several cards dropped today and I've been just kind of hoarding my reserves. I haven't opened a lot of reserves and I think you were in the same boat, kind of waited till today to open a lot. So I actually opened Orca, Atuma, Mbaku, and Dazzler today. Um, but I forgot that I was going to get a free Series 3 card. So I opened all my reserves before I went and clicked <laughs> my free Mbaku, which was the one there. And then I saw it after. I was like, well... That could have been something else, but oh well, you know. Uh, so now I'm Series 3 complete again, and I have to wait all the way till next month before I, and the next drop before I can get another free Series 3 card. So it's a little hit or miss uh, there. Um, but uh, overall, I think it's a, I think it's a positive change. Um, more tokens in more people's hands is, is a good idea in my, in my mind. Um, 
So just kind of uh, continuing on from here, uh, we do have some audio updates for Thanos, Nimrod, Master Mold, Megasonic Teenage Warhead, as well as new location sounds for Morag, Bar Sinister. Um, I haven't, uh, this always seems to happen, you know, when patch day, I'm playing like a little bit during lunch at work or things like that. And I don't actually hear any of the new sounds. Don't know if you've, if anything stood out to you or if you've heard the new sounds uh, or if it's just kind of gone over your uh, your radar or if you've noticed anything with the, the updated sounds. Uh, I have not heard any of the sounds. Uh, the visual effects I've seen and then even a visual effect that's not listed here. But uh, Oh, interesting. So Than- Thanos got a visual effect, uh, uh, which is really cool. Uh, kind of does an animation with the stones and, and it's cool. I like when they add things like that. What Which one have you seen that's not here in the notes? So, so real quick, have you seen the? Have you played with Thanos since this? Uh, no, but I've seen I've seen people do it. Okay, like, so uh, like the, yeah. it has the opening with him, but also each stone now glows, and oh. when you play it, it has an animation where it shoots your deck with a beam of light, depending on the stone, oh. showing you drawing the card, kind of like when you would play like on Lucia or something or Vibrating yeah. Minds. Uh, so that's kind of cool. Uh, so I, I like that it, it makes the stones feel a lot cooler. Um, and then the one that, like I said, is not listed here for visual. Um, she Hulk now has like a reminder or like a hey, this is happening every time, like every turn, her cost you end your turn and her cost goes down, it like flashes and like makes a big ordeal about oh, hey, okay. look, the, the it changed. So I really like that. I really like anything, especially in play or in your hand, if something changes, I like my attention to be drawn to it. Because you can yeah. definitely, even if I'm playing battle mode for fun, but if I'm trying to to do something and I can easily just like forget about something. So having the game like flash, I'm like, no, look at this right now. Like it helps. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the advantages. I mean, I, you know, a lot of us have played physical card games in our history mm-hmm. with gaming, right? Uh but I think one of the things that's so awesome about digital card games is that like these kinds of things are very helpful, right? It's like this idea of like software can be designed in a elegant way for user experience and like games can be done the same way. Right. Uh, so I like that they keep iterating that and just making the game better and more clear and just more accessible for more people to kind of learn how cards work and make that obvious. Um, and I just say, keep it coming. Right. I want, I want more animations, more sounds, more, uh, indications and I hope they never stop. Right. I hope they just continue to iterate on cards that already exist as well as obviously new cards. Yeah. I, I think they're always going to be working on that. Uh, I, I know that they are, you know, hiring currently, but uh, I know for a fact that there was two people that works on the visual effects. So they are turning it out as fast as they can. And I think they're doing a fantastic jobs. Every single one that comes out looks fantastic. The sounds are fantastic. So I think they're doing a fantastic job, but might take a little bit longer to to get cards to to roll out because it is two people working on it. But I think they're yeah. doing a fantastic job. Well, and something I appreciate, right? I appreciate that they didn't like wait to release Thanos until they had their future vision of like a visual effect done, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm glad that's not like limiting them. But you know, perfect world, they have a unlimited staff and resources. Yeah, great. Let's all have those at launch. But it's okay, right? I'd rather have the cards sooner. And then just bring us the goodness as time goes on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's awesome. Uh, well, let's continue on here to the bulk of uh, what tends to be our conversation, and that's the card update. So I, uh, now that we're doing video version of the podcast, if you're watching this on YouTube or on Spotify, uh, 
you know, we actually have the changes here. So that can kind of help you follow along as we talk about these. Uh, and the first one is Thanos, which actually has two parts. Um, so Thanos has gone from a 6.11 to a 6.10. Uh, Thanos was originally a 6.8. Uh, so that's notable. You know, they made this change uh, as they were making other changes, uh, you know, a month or so ago. And so uh, I think they kind of realized, hey, we, don't, we didn't need to give him quite as much of a power bump. So they pulled him down one power, which I think is pretty straightforward. Uh, but to me, the bigger changes here is the space stone. So the space stone read before on reveal next turn, you can move one card at this location and draw a card to on reveal next turn. You can move one card to this location, draw a card. So instead of where you place space stone, moving a card from there to another location, you are now moving a card from another location to where space stone is at. And obviously the, the kind of OP synergy we've seen with this is with Lockjaw where you could put space stone into Lockjaw and, you know, maybe you've already filled up your three uses of Lockjaw, but then you could launch Lockjaw into another location and fill, you know, put a bunch of more stones there and pull a bunch of more cards out. And it was just very, a very powerful combo. And this just uh, limits that. Obviously, uh, it still, you know, enables a movement of any card you want for one cost, which is still powerful, but it's not quite as powerful. But I'll turn it over to you. What do you think about these changes on the Thanos side? Yeah, I, I really like this change for the Space Stone. Uh, before I forget, the Thanos change, I do like that they realized that they wanted to keep it at nine plus power for the Shang-Chi. Uh, that wasn't something that you could do before. You had to see if they got Power Stone and mm -hmm. pulled it off and made it go up to 18 before you could Shang-Chi it. But now it's always Shang-Chi-able, so that's nice to, that they decided to keep that in. Um, and then Space Stone... Changing it from the, you know, just moving your card over to basically like a mini um, cloak. Uh, yep. I think it really changes the card a lot and uh, really helps because one of the things with the, you know, Lockjaw too, but just Thanos decks in general is the Thanos stones, they give you the so much uh, variety and different abilities and different play patterns that you could do. And one that I know that I seen a lot of people and I use myself with this is to move into a sanctum or yeah. a flooded zone from storm, um, being able to move into zones. Uh, but then obviously the, another like very common and easy one is you could fill up that lane. If you have one of those, or you could, you know, try to get lucky and pull it out of the lockjaw. Uh, but you can fill up a lane and then move one of those cards out and then play another card in. Or, uh, you know, the, the the big five head play is you fill up that lane and then you move the lockjaw into a clear lane so then you get three more lockjaws triggers instead. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think limiting that versatility uh, really will slow the deck down and uh, we'll probably have one of the biggest changes. So for maybe the next card we're going to talk about but i do think this change if they were going to change any stone probably affects it the most yeah yeah i'd agree there i think um you know some people were suggesting other changes uh some of the other stones i think this was the real one to target first i don't necessarily think any other needs uh, any of the other stones need to change right now but i definitely think this doesn't make thanos weak by any stretch of the imagination right i still think thanos is a solid card and can be built around but it just makes it so it's not yeah, play Thanos or win less games, right? Um, yeah, continuing on here, we have Quinjet. Uh, so Quinjet um, before would reduce uh, cards that didn't start in your deck by one, but there was no mention of a minimum, which several other cards like Sarah, uh, Zabu, these other cards that reduce 
cost of cards all have that text of, you know, set a minimum of one. Where this obviously had a great synergy was with Thanos, right? Of the stones, because they didn't technically start in your deck, would all be free. So everything we just said about Space Stone being changed is great, but also not being able to play six powerful one-cost cards for zero power uh, also, I think, is is something that will kind of balance out that deck a little bit more. Yeah, I, I think Quinjet is the the real the like nerf to the Thanos decks. Uh, just the free power playing the stones for free to then replace themselves and the log jaw out. I think that was the real problem. Now, this is a change that I've seen and that I've been saying that I would like to see uh, that they would do this change because I've I've played a lot of card games for like 15, 20 years now. And uh, zero cost cards are very fun. They're always very, very fun. And they're always too strong. (laughs) Like for the balance of the game, usually free cards are not good for the game, for the health. Yeah, I think... I think just for consistency, what you're talking about, Zabu says this, Sarah says this. I personally would like to see She-Hulk and Elysium say the same thing. Mm. That That's just me. Maybe you call me the fun police or whatever, but I, I just think consistency matters. And like I, you could, I've played magic. I've seen free cards get out of control. So free cards can be a problem if they don't keep it in check. And I think, Making this change also just sets that for the future also of knowing that maybe all cards with minimum, uh, with reducing effects should have a minimum. Um, but uh, I think this is a good change for the overall health now and later. I think that's, I think that's a good call. Out. I, I'd be interested to see if they kind of go that path. You know, death comes to mind, uh, like death's cost can reduce, but maybe if that could go from nine all the way down to one, right? So then... Again, Death Wave has been a little to the side with things like Thanos and Shuri being kind of the dominant force in the meta. But I definitely think we're going to see a little bit more of Death Wave kind of come back a little bit. Maybe it doesn't come all the way back to the top. But obviously, with those coming down, it kind of naturally rises. So I wonder if there's something like that in the future, right? Because a Death death Wave with things like She-Hulk, right? You can definitely combo out some really powerful cards on the last turn of the game. Uh, and if instead of getting them down to like zero, for example, they could just all get down to one still powerful, but not quite as powerful. Right. I mean, the, in, in that scenario, the combo still works. If you have um, She-Hulk in your hand and you have enough triggers on death, if you wave, if they could still only go to one, you could still play another card for four She-Hulk yeah. and death. You still do the combo. So that still works if they yeah. wanted to do that change. Yeah. So I think so I think an interesting change. I, I still think Quinjet will work in some decks, you know, like a Devil Dinosaur, where you're playing a lot of mm-hmm. Sentinels, things like that. There's still other great synergies. Uh, it just won't uh, kind of overpower the Thanos deck going forward. Uh, the next card we are going to talk about is an interesting one, and that is Red Skull. Uh, so we've kind of talked the Thanos deck changes. Now we're going to jump over to the world of Shuri. Um, so this is the first one here. Red Skull has gone from a five fifteen ongoing enemy cards at this location have plus two power to a 513 ongoing enemy cards at this location have plus one power so just to add a little comment here i mean it says here in the developer comments essentially right if your opponent's locations maxed out uh in the original card text uh red skull would have nine to ten power um or sorry i should say seven to nine power um because you get minus eight off of that 15 if they had four cards uh, now it'll go down from that 13 to like a nine or a 10. 
So it has less power to start with. So you could say, you know, that's a that's a nerf, quote unquote, right? Uh, when it's doubled by Shuri, now it's less. So that's a nerf. But if your opponent is clogging up that location, you actually net kind of a higher amount of power there. So in some ways, I think this is a very good balance to this card because uh, they didn't make it like strictly worse. It's just a little bit different, if that makes sense. Yeah, uh, so I I think this has been the one that's been giving me the most trouble, and I've talked to a lot of people, a lot of people trying to figure out is is this a nerf? Is this a buff? Is this basically the same? Is this like a draw? Like, uh, yeah. I think the only thing to tell is is time. It's just people playing with the card, um, seeing how the the meta shifts and stuff. Thing. This is one of the ones you're gonna have to get your hands on. Like just reading this to me doesn't. My brain doesn't work that way. I can't tell if this is a positive or a negative. Um, so I'll, I'll definitely be interested in trying this card out and see how it plays out. Yeah. And, you know, it, I played obviously some games today. I haven't matched up against a ton of Shuri decks. By no means do I think like Shuri is nerfed out of existence like that style of deck. But um, I think people maybe kind of overreact sometimes when we have a patch, right? They're like, oh, well, I can't play that deck anymore because they changed cards in it. But I think as time goes on, like you say, I think we'll see okay, how are people playing that deck differently now and uh, how does it stack up, right? Mm -hmm. Our our next card, uh, you know, is sometimes in Shuri decks, but She-Hulk sees a lot of play in a lot of decks. Uh, So She-Hulk, the change here is just a 610 to a 69. Obviously, we've already mentioned She-Hulk a little bit. She-Hulk's powerful because of that cost reduction ability. Cost reduction is very powerful in Marvel Snap where you only have six turns, you have limited resources. Uh, So this is just to... uh, you know, make her strong, but not too strong. I mean, America Chavez originally had a 610 stat line, right? America Chavez came down to 6'9", and that felt like a really solid change. Um, so this is similar. Uh, obviously, I, I still think She-Hulk's better than America Chavez in a lot of situations. Uh, but I don't know. What's your what's your take on this change? Do you think it's a good change? Yeah, th- that's the first thing when I saw this. Like, they just gave it the good American Chavez change uh, from 610 to 6'9". Uh, uh, I do... I think this is going to be enough. Uh, there's one inter, uh, interesting interaction that I thought about was um, Scorpion. Mm. If you're holding She-Hulk and your opponent Scorpions you, they can no longer Shang-Chi your She-Hulk. So that's it's it's small interaction. I don't imagine that happening a lot, but it is a small thing to think about. Um, that's interesting because that never really happens to your America Chavez because you draw it on that last turn of the game. Exactly. But... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that, that, not something that really... Yeah, not something that ever really affected American Chavez, but uh, it's an interesting thing that can affect She-Hulk. But yeah, I I think this should be fine. I think with the other changes that we're going to see farther down and then, you know, the Red Skull and stuff, I think think Shiri decks are probably the strongest decks. That's what I would say, like off my initial guess without seeing numbers or results or seeing a lot of other play, but... I do, but I think this it's going to be a more manageable, more reachable height of the deck strength. Uh, but yeah, I think just adjusting it down to a six nine is fine. I don't. I think you definitely don't want to go to like a six eight and completely knock it out of the Shang Chi range at all times. So yeah, I, I like this change. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it's a good change. I like kind of the one stat up or down change as an initial change, and then if it becomes a problem down the road, they can obviously always make additional changes, right? Uh, Arrow, this is one you and me have talked about a lot. I know this isn't the change you wanted to see in the exactly the, yeah, isn't the, <laughs> the exact change you were hoping to see. So Arrow's gone from a 5-7 on reveal new 
all enemy cards played this turn to this location to a 5-8. Power up. On reveal, move the last enemy card played this turn to this location. So what are your thoughts on this, and why do you hate it? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, so completely unevoked when the patch dropped and they saw this, I had three, four, five people, and more in private messages, but people like, sorry for your loss, condolences. <laughs> like Rip. people yeah. just, yeah, just feeling real bad for me. I even responded with like the, uh, on Twitter, the uh, Loki um, gift from like, Thor Dark World where he's just all disheveled and just upset. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but uh, I actually, after playing with Arrow, I actually don't think it's as bad as I thought. I think mm. from playing, because this is what I've kind of been focused on. I've messed around with uh, other stuff a little bit, but this is what I've been focusing on since the patch. I was like, I got to find out if Arrow is still good or not. Um, and I think it goes in less decks now. I think a lot mm. of people were playing it in a lot of decks. Um for to fight Shiri's and and Red Skulls and stuff like that, and I think you still need those, but the I think there are decks that makes this change more tolerable. Uh, Death Wave, uh, you were talking about Death Wave, and I knew we were going to get here, so I think Death Wave still a fine deck. That's been one of the two decks that I've been playing Arrow with, and Death Wave still feel, feels fine with what uh, I said. Also, with the, the combo still works, you can still um, Arrow Death and She-Hulk on the last turn after a uh, turn five wave, if you have enough death uh, triggers. And so I think she's fine because you're limiting, you know, your opponent to probably one card also. And then the other deck I've been playing with is Sandman. Mm. And I think because they can only play one card, so I'm still moving that card. Yeah. You know, um, you know, what's going to kind of be the result there. Um, a little as, more clearly. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, I think, I think it's right. It's hard when the things we love change, uh, you know, uh, but I think, I think this will be a good change. Like you say, you've had some initial testing. We're going to have to see how the meta shifts over the next week or two. Uh, but I definitely think arrow is still playable. I think, I think that's kind of the ongoing theme. I feel like with these changes, nothing feels so far, you know, across our fingers that nothing's been nerfed out of playability. Uh, it's just bought, brought some of the strongest cards in the game slightly down like one step. So that hopefully, you know, that goal of everything, it kind of raises everything up without buffing cards. We'll, we'll talk maybe more about that uh, or lack thereof in a little bit. But uh, I think so far, so far, I'm feeling good about the changes. Um, yeah. Well, so real quick with the, the era, another thing I wanted to point out is I know that myself, I've been saying it for like a month now and other people have been saying too, the change they wanted to see the arrow was just make it where it pulls in order. I think after playing with this card, it basically does that. It does yeah. make your opponent think about the order. They yeah. want that card that they don't care about getting pulled to be their last card. So mm. it's still, it, it, it basically does do what we wanted. It makes you able to play around arrow and makes you think about it when you're playing into it. That's a, that's a good breakdown, right? It accomplishes a kind of a design goal, if you will, right? That ability to, control your opponent's card in like a one-off scenario uh yeah so you can kind of know like hey they have to play around this and if they're only going to play one card then it's like then i have the upper hand right mm -hmm. uh, so i think i think that's a that's a good call out um this one's a little interesting so this is a mystique absorbing man and taskmaster these cards now require the previously played card to be in play in order to copy its attributes so i think this is an interesting change that i really hadn't thought of uh being a big deal um 
I think the one I want to call out on my end is Taskmaster, right? Because Taskmaster sees a lot of play in Shuri decks, right? Has lately. Um, and so uh, if you're playing Taskmaster to like copy a card, often you're playing that first card you're copying, but you either behind an armor or behind a Cosmo. So it's like not that likely it's going to be destroyed, if that makes sense. So I don't know if this is like a nerf to Taskmaster, because I think in a lot of scenarios, you're still going to be able to pull off the Taskmaster. Maybe more of a nerf to Mystique and Absorbing Man, just because there's more... I don't know. I guess, I don't know. Maybe it's not that big of a deal to any of them. I don't know your thoughts. Uh, I think it's more of a consistency thing. If you, like with Mystique, if you like played an Iron Man or something, and then it got uh, Enchantress, and then you played the Mystique, it didn't give the effect. But mm. if the Iron Man got destroyed somehow, then the Mystique would work. So that's kind of like a weird inconsistency. Yeah. Um, and I think that this fits with the inconsistency. I think this is a, a, a Taskmaster you're talking about. I think it's also a weird thing with maybe Galactus. Because you're right with the, the armor or Cosmos with the um, Red Skull not getting destroyed. But if the Red Skull gets blown up, if you play it on five, but they cheat Galactus in on five and blow it up. Then before mm. you could Taskmaster still get that power, but now Galactus stops that. You can't. You cannot get the power with that's, Taskmaster. That's a good call. So uh, kind of a mini shadow buff to Galactus decks there, right? Uh, that's interesting. Yeah. So I, you make a good point. Consistency is kind of a key thing. We've seen them do that with card changes, right? It's less about like these cards are too powerful and more of, hey, people don't understand. I think they even say. Uh, that people, um, yeah, so somewhat often gets reported as a bug. So this has obviously been something that hasn't been clear to people. People are like, I don't think it should work this way. Uh, and they agree, obviously. They, yeah, we need to we need to standardize this a little bit. Uh, we just have a couple, a couple more left here. Uh, Morbius, uh, maybe you can help me understand. I read through the, this one and the next one multiple times, and I still, like, my brain is just dead, I guess. So Morbius power no longer updates in hand or in deck, only at the location. So just based on how many cards have been discarded, it's just not going to show what that power would be in your hand, but it'll show if it's in play. Mm -hmm. Right. So that that's, yeah, that's correct. And, and maybe it says something here in the notes. So I, Cause I don't fully understand why they're doing this. Um, they said, okay, well, but we expect to add future functionality to Morbius and all cards with ongoing buffs to their own power that communicates their power in order to make these cards simpler to play with. I don't exactly know what that means, right? Yeah, like, yeah. is that is that some kind of visual cue that's like, hey, this is not its true power, but it could be its power, right? I, yeah, I, 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 I think it's an interesting thing, and I, I'm assuming this is probably coming from a design point of in the future. Maybe they developed a card that cares about, like, the power in your hand or something, mm. and they want to that's... make sure that, like, cards like Morbius isn't affected or stuff like that. Because the one we get to in a minute, I think, is the bigger one of how they did it. Because we've already seen that. Like, the other one is a specific card interaction that yeah. they did. So. Well, yeah, let's let's jump over there. So, Noel, Noel's power still updates in hand, but no longer updates in deck. And buff. Yeah. So I can you can you walk me through it because again I feel like my brain is like just like hitting a wall. So, so walk me so through the so the only thing that matters what you need to know now is Noel now works with Mister Negative. Before it did not. Now it mm. does. While it's in the deck, it is a six zero at all times. 
So when you Mr. Negative, it is now a zero six. And then when you draw it, you'll play it out. But before it was updating the power in the deck, because uh, we, I was talking about this earlier with super tech God, we played a fun battle mode the other day and he had, had a crazy Kang, no like crazy deck. And uh, I was running uh, like cable and stuff like random generation cards. And I uh, cabled a card from his deck and it was an eight sixteen null. And I was like, why is this an 816? I'm so confused. <laughs> like, because it got inverted when... Inverted yeah. and with the power and yeah, yeah. So Yeah, that, uh, that stinks. So, yeah, that's awesome. I'm all yeah. for that. I love playing negative. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to have to... Now, now you can play some destroyed null in your negative decks. Oh, well, there we go. That's a <laughs> that's a thumbs up buff in, in my mind. So, thank you for helping me with that. I literally read this like two times. I was like, okay, so what? Like... Yeah. And I totally could be wrong, but this is what I think. And people I've talked about, this is what they think too. So, yeah. Well, something for us to go test out after, after we're done talking here. Um, yeah. There's just one more card change and this one's just minor to text only. Uh, Widow's bite. While this is in your hand, card in your deck, cards in your deck cannot be drawn is changed to while this is in your hand, you can't draw cards. I think they're just simplifying the language there, uh, making it kind of a more simple statement. Um you can't draw cards, right? So if like somebody plays a card for that's triggering you to draw cards, or if it's your turn to draw at the beginning of the turn or location, etc. Like in none of those scenarios, if this is in your hand, you can't draw cards, period. Right. Um, no functional change, just a, a text change there. Not, not much to say. Um, I have, I have another slide here, but um, I think there was something we, we talked about, maybe there's some like kind of shadow buffs and you know, that null change essentially is a buff in like one archetype. Right. Uh, but I think something that you and me talked about several weeks ago that we'd like to see kind of in the next patch is, you know, we want to see more cards buffed. Right. Let's bring the bottom of the barrel up to the top or, you know, up to the middle. Right. Um, things like Angel, things like Crystal, things, you know, those kinds of cards that really see uh, virtually no play uh, just aren't uh aren't what we'd hope they'd be, right? You don't want to stick them in any deck. So it's like you get variants for them, you get the cards and you don't really play them, right? So it's kind of a bummer. You want to, at least I want to be able to play every card and at least some kind of a deck, right? Um, so I think that's something we, we kind of felt like we're missing this um, this patch. And so I just, I included this tweet here from Glenn Jones uh, from the team at Second Dinner. He says, we have a plan, we have plans to strengthen a number of underplayed cards in the future, stay tuned. Um Obviously, that doesn't give us a ton. I don't know if that's next patch. Is that in April? Is that May? Is that over the course of multiple patches? Uh, but I just at least wanted to call this out that this is on the roadmap. This was in you know response. You can see here to Kraken Null. He was kind of asking this question in a thread of, you know, why aren't we seeing the, you know, the kind of these bottom cards brought up? But I just want to get your take again on this, Loot Muncher. Um, what, what did you hope to see as far as, you know, Lower play cards brought up, like cadence. Is that something you'd like to see every month, every two weeks? What would be your ideal for that kind of those kinds of situations? So with this, I'm not a card developer, uh, but I do try to use my reasoning skills to try to think like one sometimes to try to figure this out. And something I saw really at a fever pitch this morning before the patch a lot on Twitter. Um, I posted like my guests at the patches and a lot of the responses was we really need buffs we because i only focused on nerfs Uh, i was at work i was just trying to throw something out there but they're like we really need buffs we don't need all these nerfs and like whatever but uh, 
first of all, we did need the nerfs. The nerfs that happened, we didn't need them. But from my point of view of of trying to think of in Sacadenner's foot uh, in their, you know, what they were doing is the you can't do too much at once in my eyes. If you are making this many nerfs, you don't want to then make six buffs because then the changes to the meta, was it the nerfs? Was it the buffs? Was it, what was it that, that, that changed? So I think doing the, all these nerfs because I think this is a very extensive nerf list, like yep. a good amount of cards was touched. So I think doing that, letting the dust settle, then using that data, if the meta is in a much better place, then next patch, or, you know, a patch to down the road, we can have those changes. And I think uh, w- with this, I think this is a thing uh, we said before, because I think my biggest concern with this patch is them not touching leech. Mm. And what, what my problem with that is, is it's fine if you don't think leech needs to be touched, if you think your other changes make enough. But we do know that from past uh, tweets from Glenn, they said that their technology they developed to do hot fixes like broke or something happened. So they weren't able to make any changes before a patch this time. Um, so I don't know if it's still broke or whatnot. So my only concern is if you don't fix leech now and it's that your technology still messed up, if leech is still a problem, then we have to wait four or five weeks to get a fix. So that's a little scary yeah. and <laughs> that's a little scary to me. But with this, I think uh, hopefully their plan is, and what I would like to see is they get that technology fixed and then every week or two weeks they could all right let's all right crystal's not seeing play and i don't think this would fix crystal but let's make crystal a four or five now yeah. like let, let's see if that helps or let's make crystal a three three does that help like i think they could do stuff like that with underplayed cards where they could tweak stuff if they could do it as a hot fix instead of a whole patch yeah. and more in tune and then you, you can also fix those problems if you, oh, 3-3 crystal is broken. It's the most broken thing we've ever done. So let's revert that. Like, I think you can mess around a little bit more if you have that nimbleness. And so this that's hopefully what I'm reading into this. That's what I would like to see is being able to do it in the future. They have that technology and they can, you know, change those. That's how I would like to see buffs go, is that you see these small changes to card, underplayed cards. Yeah, uh, I, I couldn't agree more. I think I think that uh, you said something very wise at the beginning. And, you know, I always talk about how I work in software. If you change too many things at once, you, you can't find where a problem occurs, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're working on a piece of software and you put out, you know, 20 individual changes in one big bulk group, and then the software breaks, the customer calls, hey, it's not working. Well, then you have to go look at the 20 things, you know, uh, the bigger it is, the harder it is to find the root of the problem, right? Mm-hmm. If you can kind of push out one small change at a time, you know, one a day, for example, on a website, if something breaks, oh, well, we just pushed out something an hour ago. We know that's the problem, right? Mm-hmm. So couldn't agree more with you. Uh, you know, don't make too many changes and then you can kind of see how that plays out and then you can kind of make that next iteration. So I think that's a very, very wise kind of thinking of how how things should be handled. Um, we're just out of time now, but I just want to kind of get your, your last uh, kind of thumbs up, thumbs down or score rating, whatever you want to give it. How are you feeling about this patch? Uh, how excited are you going forward kind of for this next month uh, with the current changes? I think this is a decent patch. I, I would say I definitely would give it like a, I mean, putting a random number, like a seven out of 10, maybe like 6.5. You want to get technical. Uh, I think it did enough changes that I think it will shift the meta a little bit. Um, like I said, my biggest 
problem is Leach. I hope Leach isn't a problem. Hope if Leach is a problem that they can change it faster than four or five weeks. Mm. Um, but uh, I, I think the changes they did were good. I mean, I think the arrow change, I mean, I've seen a lot of people like knee jerk reactions was that this is a terrible change for arrow. But after playing with arrow, I really do think it's going to be okay. I think it's going to bring it down. And that's exactly what they want. They will, they yep. probably arrow was seeing massive amounts playing lots of decks. They're going to, it's going to come down 10, 15% and then they'll be happy with it. That's probably what they, exactly what they want. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think this was overall a, a pretty decent patch, but definitely one that will tell with time and we'll see. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Lou, as always, thank you so much for being on the podcast. We love having you on. The people love having you on. Want to give you that chance to give a shout out. Where can people find you on podcasts, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, all of it. Uh, give us your shout out. Where can people find you and support your content? So uh, you can find me on Twitch at Luke Muncher uh, or Luke Muncher Zero. And then uh, same thing on uh, well Twitter and Twitch. Luke Muncher Zero, and then Luke Muncher on YouTube, and I'm a, I also have a podcast on YouTube with a couple of my buddies with uh, Super Tech God and Valatime, uh, the Marvel Snapcast. Uh, check that out. Uh, check out my YouTube channel. I've, I've just recently started posting there the past couple of weeks, and uh, something that I did at the end of last season, um, right before this season, was I put out a survey of nine questions for the community to answer. And I was blown away. I wanted a hundred answers. I got 257 answers. Uh, so that was fantastic. And uh, off of that, I was able to break down and, you know, the community's top five cards they wanted nerfed and buffed. Uh, the What they what thought was the best card in each, like mana slot, the best one drop or two drop in the game. And then I also compiled the top 25 cards. Mm. And it's all voted off based off of, what the community thinks. And it's definitely something I'm going to do uh, at the end of every season. So at the end of this season, I'm going to do the same thing. I think it'll be cool to see the top 25 and all that stuff shift of what from season to season. Awesome. Well, everybody make sure to go follow loot in all those places. Make sure to check out that content. We'll be watching for that next survey later uh, at the end of this uh, next season. Uh, But listeners, thank you for listening. Wherever you're listening, if you could leave a comment, if you're able to, leave a like, or if it's somewhere on a podcasting platform, make sure to rate the podcast to help us reach more people. And we will catch you in the next episode. Thanks. Bye. Can't Stop Snapping is a podcast written, recorded, produced, and hosted by Michael Thurman. Thanks for listening. Thank you.